You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Hi, this is Steven from Geek Elite Media, and I want to tell you about Cuts by Candice, a hairstylist that'll work with you to get just the right look. After growing my hair out for years and years, Candice was the only stylist I trusted to cut my luscious locks. Mention our promo code GEEKOUT when making your appointment through the end of April 2019, and you'll get 10% off your hair services. Follow Cuts by Candice on Facebook and Cuts by Candice 3 on Instagram, and start looking the best you, you can. Today I have with me Case Aiken from the Certain POV Podcast Network. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Certain Point of View. Uh, the website Certain POV because that's what was available. Yeah. Just it's usually <laughs> easier. So why why a certain point of view? Uh, so it started off as a Star Wars thing. Ah. Uh, that's a it's a reference to Obi Wan Kenobi in Return of the Jedi, and it seemed like a, a good uh, like a good quote that was good for for like news material. Uh, since the the original podcast, the sometimes Star Wars podcast, was supposed to be like a Star Wars kind of like nerd news kind of show, mm-hmm. um, uh, particularly in the the lead up to Force Awakens, being like, here's what we've heard, like what kind of things are coming out, like the Star Wars media had sort of like jump started again, and so there was a lot of like speculation, and so that seemed like a good starting point for like shared interest about Star Wars, and from that, then we have. Sp- like grown a lot but we had started off with that sort of name and we were like you know what it still works because it's still different voices having different points of view you know getting getting their their like getting their voices out there and being heard right yeah yeah that's i mean that's great obviously many different voices many different people uh different points of view so how how many how many strong are you so to speak how many members uh so we've got eight shows going okay uh, of which i am a host on three of them. Uh, so we had our flagship, which was certain point of view. Uh, and then we, from there first started off as two features, uh, that eventually became like their own separate entities as a whole. Mm -hmm. And that was another pass, which is a show that I host that is taking movies and discussing what changes could have been done at the time of production to make them better. Uh, and this started off with us doing the star Wars prequels where it's like, all right, so, Episode three, you've been brought on. You've been brought on as a producer. Yeah, like how do you make that work? Considering that episode one and two have already come out, like can you save that that trilogy from from that starting point? Uh, and that was sort of the thought experiment that turned into doing this for other movies, and then it became its own show. And we also started a Star Wars Dungeon Dungeons and Dragons game. Uh, which is using the revised rule set. So it's basically, it's D&D, uh, <laughs> but with Star Wars. And I, I thought that was a lot of fun. I'm yeah. a fan of like like le- like live, like uh, real play podcasts. And I thought that would be a good idea um, and very much in our wheelhouse. And so that's been going strong and that's called Scruffy Nerf Herders. And so those two were like segments that we would do on the show. And then now they're their own full shows. 
Uh, and then since then, and we brought in other people. So there is Fun and Games with Matt and Jeff was the first one we brought on. Uh, and that is a video game culture conversation. Uh, and a frequent co-host of mine for Another Pass had been uh, doing that show and he was telling me about it. And I was like, hey, why don't we just pool our resources and bring it all together and so that we have one website for all of our stuff. And uh, I do graphic design. So it's like, you know, I'll like I'm doing the artwork for all of our shows. Can I bring you on and uh, we'll, I'll do artwork for each of your episodes. And he was like, cool, let me talk to my co-host. And it turned out his co-host had a bunch of other shows. So, oh, wow. Uh, so we brought in two more of those. So he, he, uh, that brought in Reignite, which is a Mass Effect podcast. It's like a it's like a book club, but for the video game. So they said, like, we're going to get through this section of the game and then kind of talk about, like, our feelings and how it, uh, like, you know, it's a very role-play, very choice-heavy kind of game. So there was actually a lot to, like, really discuss. Not just like, oh, yeah, I killed the bugs really bad. It, you know, it's like, how did I feel about interacting with these, like, sentient cockroaches and uh it's really kind of like very nice to stop and like think about moral decisions in you know this ever evolving landscape of video games right <laughs> uh, so that's a really cool one and then he also brought on screen snark which is a uh <laughs> which is a movie conversation podcast uh uh matt uh matt storm who is the host for that one as well as rachel shank uh, each come with a movie as well as their guest brings a movie. And that's sort of like the jumping on point to being like, this is co the conversation that we're thinking about. Like what, what about movies today um, is on our mind in whatever way, you know, like be it representation, be it uh, there's a lot of sequels, be it, you know, like what, whatever kind of like thing it just makes you think of. Uh, and then lastly, we, uh, we had two more spinoff shows join us. So one is a, a show I host called Men of Steel, which is just Superman appreciation. Like there's no, <laughs> there's no other point to the show aside from just being like, I really dig this part of Superman. And uh, my guest, or pardon me, my co-host is Jay Mike Folson, who uh, is one of the players on Scruffy Nerf Herders and is one of our audio engineers. Uh, and then we have like various guests and, and uh, co-hosts at large, we call them like people who uh, want to be on the show, but can't really commit to being on every episode. Right. Uh, and so that's just Superman conversation. And then we have real, real movie news and reviews, which is just a, a, a review show for whatever has recently come out. Right. Yeah. So, so I, yeah, we're a lot of shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got, you got quite a bit. That's pretty awesome. Uh, I would love to go back to uh, another pass. Cause I, I find that, very interesting, uh, especially since you started off with Star Wars. Did I mean obviously the Star Wars fandom is is quite vast and very vocal. So how what kind of reception have you gotten to that show? Uh, those episodes, people generally really liked. Uh, we haven't done some of the controversial ones yet. So okay. we did the prequels. We did Rogue One. We haven't touched like Last Jedi. Was probably would probably be the one that would stir up the most controversy. True, uh, but. I haven't done any of those films yet. Okay. So it, uh, it's probably coming in, in some iteration. But <laughs> generally, the reception's been good. It's the kind of show that if you don't really listen, or if you don't know the movie we're talking about, you're probably not going to tune in. True. So people tune in for movies that they're excited about, and and I get a lot of feedback. So popular movies, I get a lot of feedback. Uh, less popular movies, I usually get the like one person being like, I didn't even remember that movie until I saw you were doing it. Uh, <laughs> But generally, it's been positive. Uh, we're small enough that I don't have like people kind of just stumble over our things and then uh, come to tell me that they hate what I do. Right. I'm just a, a guy out there who wants to have fun and talk about movies with friends and people I find interesting. And if I can get a, like a really cool guest, I can find out even more. But uh, you know, it's all from a place of enthusiasm, uh, and it's never like let's you know, uh, can I curse? 
Yeah, yeah. You go yeah. right, right ahead. It's never from a place of, am I shitting on a movie? Like, right. I never want. Right. Like, I don't want to ever talk about a movie I don't find interesting. So the worst case scenario, we're talking about a movie that is fascinating but flawed, mm-hmm. and it's just where on the spectrum. Because we talk about good movies and like areas where like, oh, they would have been better with these small things or bad movies, and it's like big overhauls. But there's still a thing we like about that movie. You know, there's still a reason to watch it. Yeah, you know, I I, I kind of get the same thing a lot. Uh, I've always kind of been a I wouldn't say nitpicker, but like I always find things about movies that I don't like, and people are like, "Oh, why do you watch movies if you hate them so much?" It's like I, li- I watch movies because I love them. Like th- there's a love there, and I just want them to be better, kind of thing. So uh, I get what you're talking about. Like, is there a a point that you found yourself uh, in common with uh, having to like all these movies that you're quote unquote fixing, or or at least pointing out the flaws? Like that's something that's common among amongst them. Um, is there a common flaw? I guess is mostly. That's a good question. Uh, I feel like there is a common one of too many people each having ideas, just sh- like throwing it out there and kind of all being accepted, like the too many cooks scenario. Right. Um, either because like studio notes or um, or like a writer who had a very different vision from the director, and so there's elements of the text that are not supported by then the actual visual landscape that we're presented with. Um, Yeah, I I think that's probably the most common one, but then we've got ones where I was certain that it would be a scenario like, Oh yeah, the writer and director never talked. And then I, it turned out it was the same person Mm. when I actually like looked into it. I was like, Oh, Oh, I guess I know nothing. So, Uh, I mean, what kind of what kind of movies do you usually find yourself uh, being drawn towards if you have a, a certain genre? Uh, well, one thing I'm trying to get away from doing too much of is superhero movies. Okay, we uh, that's a big part of my wheelhouse, and just I, I think about superhero context and and stories a lot because I'm just like that. That was my thing growing up. Like mm-hmm. that was like my big area of nerddom. Uh, and I'm so excited that it it is a part of the modern landscape, but I'm trying not to do just those movies because it was turning into that for a little while there. I I think I'd done like all of phase two for Marvel at one point, And uh. I like looked around. I was like, I am going to run out of these movies if I don't branch out. Uh, but to that note, so I, uh, like sci-fi is a pretty short leap from there. Uh, I, I, I really enjoy doing college comedies and I typically try to have um, some period around like May or June be like college comedy month, which is two episodes because it's a biweekly show. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's just, I just remember being a high school kid and being really into college movies right before like going into the summer, especially like right before I went off to college. So it just seemed like a good time for it. Um, yeah, but aside from that, like I said, it's just whatever I find fascinating. Uh, so I don't have like a strong through line for what ones I choose, especially if guests have good suggestions, but we do tend to lean towards sci-fi fantasy and things that are like that, or the other way around, like popcorn-y kind of movies typically are good fodder. Like I, uh, movies that are like some smaller production that has like a very fine-tuned, controlled production that I'm aware of, you know, like some sort of like art house film, I probably won't have a lot to really say because right. uh, that's me completely overriding the movie and making my movie instead of someone else's movie. Whereas we typically try to take it from the standpoint of like, uh, how can we contribute if we were like a producer or an editor? Uh, oftentimes, uh, 
so in the show we do pitches where it's like, all right, so this is what I would have done at the time. And uh, I usually try to say where in the process I come in. So I'll say like, okay, I'm coming just as an editor. I think you could finish, like, I think you could fix this movie in the final cut without even reshooting a frame. And that will be how I like build my argument, uh, which is not fair for a movie that it, that I would probably have to say like, well, I'd come in and rewrite the script before we even get started and then shoot a totally different movie. Like that's not a productive conversation. Is there, is there one example of uh, one of the movies you've done so far that you're particularly proud of? I am very proud of my episode two star Wars one. <laughs> uh, that That's a, that was a fun one because this one I would argue you could do in the edit and if with some minor CG work, uh, but if you just change Count Dooku into a good Jedi and you just cut the scene where he actually talks to Palpatine because that's the, there's only one scene where he's like flat out nothing but a bad guy. Uh-huh. And if you think of him as more of like a gray Jedi, mm-hmm. that's such a cooler story that they could have done. And they, they lost that one. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, I mean like there, there have been several that I've been very proud of that I've done like victory laps. My, uh, when we did X-Men three, I was really proud of my pitch. Uh, but then my guest came with his and I was like, oh, it's so much better than mine. Ah. <laughs> but that's the fun. I, I bring on people. So it's not just me talking. I want to hear what other people think about movies and how they would have done it. Yeah, no, no, that sounds that sounds great. Like, I mean, what a way to to come at a movie from uh, an, a different point of view, so to speak, of how to how to correct it or not. I mean, correct. It seems so, you know, crude, but just, you know, how to make it better. So that, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the name of the show, Another Pass, is is for writing. It, like, that's sort of where we came up with it at first. Uh, so it, it shouldn't be like, oh, I'm going to throw out your screenplay. It's I'm going to take a pass at the script and make some modifications to sort of, like, make it a little bit tighter, uh, which is why I love doing good movies, because oftentimes I get a movie that it's like, this is so close, but you change these three things, all of a sudden you can just feel it. Like, uh, th- those are the moments that are, like, really great when doing the show. Yeah. Yeah, that that sounds good. Um, it, you personally, though, what what movies movie genres usually uh, uh, go towards? Is it is it mostly sci fi uh, action stuff like that, or? Yeah, I mean, like, there's a part of me that wants to be like, well, that's kind of my kick at the moment, but at this point, it's been over a decade. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like, the superhero stuff is like such a such a relief to me, having grown up in that, thinking I would the best I was going to get was like spider-man 2 right uh, and now it's like consi- consistently good and mm-hmm. you know it may not always be consistently great but it's consistently good um and fantasy is also obviously fun and star wars and all you know like i'm a big star trek guy so like I, I like when we get stuff that's kind of like that i appreciate it i like optimistic things typically um and yeah i like i tend to like lighter and and uh later in um uh, the ultimate thesis of the work it might be a dark piece but like the idea that like oh there's scary things out there but there is a future beyond us is is great or comedies or things that end with like some sort of like feel-good component like i like getting that sort of empathic surge off of characters who are actually enjoying themselves Mm -hmm. Uh, and that typically is the thing that brings me back to a movie more than once so like there are movies that i love that i will never rewatch because i i can say exactly why i think it's a great film but I, I just get a, no energy off of it in a way that means something to me. Like uh, like Dogville, like great Nicole Kidman movie. Like 
amazing design. Like the artistic direction is great. It's three hours of your life. You'll never get back. <laughs> and I like, no matter how good the last half hour is, like it's the most cathartic last half hour of a movie I've ever seen, but it is so painful to get there. And I will recommend it to everyone and be like, go, go rent it. Don't buy it. Go, go rent it. It's a great movie. You'll never watch. You'll never watch it again. Make, uh, make there's plenty sense. of movies like that, but like for me, for me to have it be like a movie I'm going to come back to, it's got a, you know, light and fluffy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the rewatchability of it. I mean, that makes complete sense. And, and you know, it brings up a good point because uh, we were actually introduced through uh, Pat Edwards, who's part of the Less Rewatched podcast. So uh, you recently got to, um, you know, guest host on their show. Uh, how, how did that go? Uh, it went great. I was so I was so excited to have them bring me on. Uh, I, I met Pat at a convention where he was uh, running a panel for a novel that he wrote. Um, and we hit it off. Like we, we hung out during the rest of the convention. Um, I got him to come on a certain point of view and we've been talking about some other stuff on our network. And uh, when, when like a story thing happened in Scruffy Nerf Herders that meant that one of the main characters was separate from everyone, rather than him just talk to NPCs all voiced by me for, an episode or two. I was like, maybe I could get some people. So I reached out to Pat and he was like, Hey, these, the let's rewatch guys are awesome. And I was like, I'm not familiar with the show. Let, uh, sure. Why not? And then they came on and I was like, they are really cool. And now I'm a subscriber and I'm burning through their back catalog. So, uh, it's, it, it's very cool. Like connecting with people that way. And, uh, I like, we had a great time with Hellboy, which just came out last week as of the time we're recording. Right. Um, and yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. We we debated for a while what movie, and I was kind of gunning for Angley Hulk, but <laughs> no one really wanted to do that. But I was like, kind of like, I, I really feel like Angley Hulk's the movie to talk about. <laughs> I think there would and, have been lots of topic to talk about there. I mean, I I don't think I've really gone back and rewatched it like a couple of times, like I have with other superhero movies. But I think that I think that there's some stuff in there that I would like a lot more now than I did when I first watched it. Yeah, I was a big apologist for it for many years, but really? it's probably been like seven years since I actually watched it. So I, I could be totally mistaken. Like I could be actually come around to everyone else's opinion and it could just be awful. <laughs> but like I, I, I was like, I, I believe in this movie. I want to I want to talk about it. Um, Twitter said no. So, so we didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, it's so great to talk about Hellboy. Like I, I loved the Hellboy when it first came out. I like their comics or the comics in general, like I still maintain that Hellboy one is the best fantastic four movie we've ever gotten. Oh my goodness. That, that makes complete sense. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a fun property and you know, it was a, it was a good rewatch, like watching it. I was like, Oh, it, it's a solid movie. Like it might not stand out, but it's still on the better half of all superhero movies. And did you get a opportunity to watch the new 2019 Hellboy? Not yet. Not yet. It's, uh I, I was pretty set on watching it like the weekend after opening weekend, mm -hmm. uh, being like, all right, I've got other stuff going on, but I'll check it out soon. And the reviews are really bad, so <laughs> it might turn into a I will watch it when it is home video. Yeah, I mean, I went and saw it the, the weekend after the opening weekend as well uh, for that exact reason. Like I just had other things going on and uh, all the bad reviews is just like, I don't know, man. I feel like I still need to go see it. And I, I went and saw it and I thought it was enjoyable. I understand why people aren't liking it. But I still thought it was quite enjoyable. But yeah, wait for the VOD or Blu-ray, whatever home video. So uh, it probably it probably do you better. Yeah, because like there there's so much going on right now. There's so much media in general. Like I'm oh, definitely yeah. gonna see it. Uh, but like Endgame is 
not even a full week out at this point. <laughs> I, so, so yeah. that's going to kind of take priority this week. Makes absolute sense. Um, so, uh, I wanted to tell you about a movie. Um, I watched it last night. Last night of of this recording, it's called Infinity Chamber. Did you watch it? Have you seen this? No, what, Two, I'm not it's a 2015 movie. Never even heard about it. It. The writer director of the movie is the same uh, writer for Pandorum. I don't know if you ever watched that, but it's one of my favorite uh, sci-fi movies. Yeah, I remember that. Okay, um, but this movie is complete. I, I don't know. I don't want to say bonkers, but like it is a trip. It's pretty trippy. So, the beginning of it is a guy standing in a coffee shop, and he all of a sudden he gets tased. He wakes up, and he's in a prison cell, and it's kind of set in the fu- like the near future. An automated uh, system comes in and starts t- telling him stuff like uh, where he's at or, you know, what's happening to him. But he d- but it can't answer all of his questions. And just from there on, it just gets a little crazier and crazier. So I was dumbfounded by this whole movie. Like I just was amazed. And uh, you can see the stuff that they use to make the set. And it's it's pretty much like, you know, a, a bottle scene because it's they pretty much just stuck in one place the whole movie. So, uh, it's, it's just, I thought it was, it was a really good movie that I'd never heard of. So if you get a chance, you should get, give it a try. If you like sci-fi. I think I shall. All right, cool. (laughs) I got that tab open. All right. I just wanted to, I wanted to say that before we went on with the rest of the podcast, but, uh, or the rest of the interview. Um, now, uh, your man of steel podcast. I mean, that is a very niche subject that you're, you're getting into. Thus, I mean, there is. 80 plus years of Superman to talk about, but how do you find yourself keeping up, uh, keeping it fresh, I guess, episode to episode? Uh, well, so we kind of have a broad, uh, umbrella to cover the topic, uh, for the podcast, like intentionally. Okay. Um, we, so the idea was we're going to talk about Superman. There's so many things about Superman, but there's also lots of things that are related to Superman. Uh, so one thing that kind of like forced us to like get the show up and running a little faster than what we would have probably done on our own was we wanted the Captain Marvel movie and Shazam movies to both get episodes because they, they both made sense to me. Like uh, Captain Mar like Marvel, the classic uh, Marvel character mm-hmm. feels very Superman esque to me. Like not just the fact that they have rhyming names, but like Kal-El and, and Marvel. Right. Um, but, you know, it's just like that, that whole alien archetype, he's energy powered, you know, and, and the Carol Danvers version, actually her powers are even closer True. to, to <laughs> Superman. So it was like, all right, so this is a very Superman-esque character. Uh, so let's do an episode on her and obviously Shazam, because uh, secretly, if I could, I, this would just be a, like the big red cheese podcast uh, <laughs> or the world's mightiest mortals podcast, because I love Captain Marvel, the, like the Shazam Captain Marvel that is awesome. more than any other character. Like that's my favorite comic book character. <laughs> uh, and I could probably keep a, a podcast going for about six months and then I would start running out of material. So <laughs> uh, Superman is a, a close second. I love him a lot. And I think there's a lot of like combined symbolism going on. Like there's very, uh, you know, like the power fantasy that you're talking about here is consistent. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like a lot of people, and what sort of pushed me to do this show was that a lot of people have become very like team Batman or like team Wolverine or, you know, they have very specific things that they're like, Oh, I love comics in this way. And I'm like, but the original power fantasy of just having superpowers, like, can we talk about that a bit and how 
like fucking bonkers that 90-ish or 80-ish year run of Superman stuff has gotten to at this point. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, like intentionally, like I, I'm looking forward to us having conversations about Crypto the Superdog, uh, you know, about all the different types of kryptonite, about Superman Red versus Superman Blue, or not versus, like Superman Red and Blue, who both were 100 times smarter than the base Superman. Like, <laughs> you know, all the weird things that happened with that. Like we're, we're going to talk about the double L's, like the all the girlfriends who have had like the the same initials uh all, like all of these things are so weird and fun and creative you know like i i love those those elements and it's kind of just an excuse for us to sit and gush and be like man that was really cool like who thought this was a good idea and then actually made it real like the bottled city of candor wherein superman has a secret identity as a batman style character named nightwing like <laughs> and that's where they got the name for nightwing but like the dick grayson character like yep. it's so weird and so it's so labyrinthian and i have so much fun just kind of like it's fun for me just to remember all of the weird connections that superman has to other characters and you know like oh well there was this serial or there was this radio show or you know whatever thing um so there's a lot of topics to talk about. So, you know, we, we talked about the Silver Age Superman as kind of our launch. Uh, we did the the first Christopher Reeve Superman movie as another episode. And then we kind of got stuck in uh, the the movie cycle, which is we did a, a prep work for Captain Marvel. And then we did the our actual review of Captain Marvel. And likewise, we did like a, a breakdown of everything about Shazam you should know. And then our review of Shazam came out the following uh, for the following episode. So we we're coming out of that now and it's like all right we're gonna shift back to doing like more true superman stuff because like in game isn't really like anything to do with the superman metaphor beyond its superheroes right so we're, we're kind of free of that sort of part of the summer uh brightburn will get an episode obviously because it's apparently just superman but as an evil child <laughs> uh, uh but, but we'll, we're gonna do some like classic story arcs we've got a uh, superman red sun story arc coming up soon um we also talked about doing like some big runs like the john byrne run on superman um possibly like kurt swan like part of it is is that we're we're kind of just gushing and we'll we'll reread stories or rewatch movies um but we're not trying to be like some big like info dump on everything right so we're not like doing like deep dives of research on the whole matter it's more just like us just sharing in the and reveling in what is a really enduring archetype in comics and, and in other media that doesn't get the, doesn't get the glory that it used to like Superman used to be so popular and, you know, he still sells well and he still has a bunch of books and, mm -hmm. you know, clearly people respond to it, but like, but Batman is the name, you know, like people, if people go for Batman or they go for Spider-Man or they go for Wolverine and it's rare to hear people really like just gush about Superman, but you see a lot of Superman merch and you see a lot of <laughs> Superman tattoos and you see a lot of like carrot like guys are like, yeah, I really like Superman. And like, why is that? What is so fascinating about this archetype? Um, like this thing that is the, the prototype for all other comic book characters. Uh, what is so enduring? And maybe we can get to the bottom by just sort of reminiscing on why individual aspects are so cool. Yeah, you know, I, I, myself, I've been a huge Superman fan since I was a kid. 
And uh, I and you just said that peep guys say that all the time. But do you ever find yourself be uh, somewhat of an apologist or having to? Because people always come up to be like, I I don't like Superman because he's too overpowered, and I was like, and and no one can defeat him. And I'm always like, well, you have to understand that his real weakness isn't kryptonite or magic. It's it's his humanity. Like people will always get to him through that. And if you can connect to the Clark Kent, that's how you connect to Superman. So. Do you find yourself having to do the same when you when you're talking about uh, the character this character that's so uh, overpowered, so to speak? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, in fact, that sort of became a thing about getting the show off the ground because uh, several voices on my network are not big fans of Superman, <laughs> and so there wasn't a lot of support. And I was like, no, I'm really into Superman, and I know there are other people who are really into Superman. Like, people will listen and. You know, people listen. Like, so it, it's working so far. Like, we're having a fun conversation. I, that's really all I care about. Like, uh, and yeah, I do kind of have to apologize for Superman a lot. Like, the the thing is that I have to remind people when we talk about comics that not everyone's set of stakes are the same. Mm-hmm. So, like, Spider-Man has a very real fear of death if he goes to fight a supervillain. Like, Spider-Man versus the Sandman. The Sandman physically could kill Spider-Man very easily. Very. Um, and, and that is often an issue. Now, Spider-Man's got great power. He's got great responsibility, but the stakes are for him still his survival. Like the choice to go out there and fight is off, is him putting himself at risk. And that is a very noble, a very specific heroic archetype. Like Superman has a power of action that is far greater and his consequences are really the, the biggest consequence is that he could live and hit with his failure. Like, uh, right. He could act like if he failed to save the world, he would probably survive. That is a terrible thing to imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people think that like, well, you can't kill him. Therefore, that's boring or losing the point of what these kind of stories can tell. Like, uh, like it, not everything is about a detective story with Batman. Right. Uh, not everything is, oh, I'm going to get into a fight. And the fight is interesting because I might die. No, the fight for Superman is interesting because other people might die and he has to do everything in his power to prevent that. Like, and that, that is something that he's driven to because of who he is and like, like why he is a Superman. I mean, look at the, some of his more popular side stories, so to speak, injustice and kingdom come. That's, that's just the death of Lois Lane. the, The one woman that he loves the most and his character shifts like so dramatically uh, to the point that that that's I think that's where you're supposed to also connect with the you know the character of being like what happens when you have to live with the guilt of of surviving. Yeah, and and that's built into the character. Like uh, you you get the whole thing with with Krypton and mm-hmm. the loss of his people. You get the the Pa Kent stuff in most versions. Um, I mean, going back to the original thirty eight, like Pa Kent died and like said he should be. You know, I forget the exact words, but like he should help the world. And that's when you, the next panel is him in Superman costume saying that that's what he's going to do. So like the 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 fear of death of other people around him, his inability to save everyone is a driving motivator or like a driving factor. It's interesting. Like mm-hmm. It's something we can all relate to. You know, uh, we all we all are stewards of something like be it a pet, be it a child, be, be it just a a cause that you champion. Like you don't necessarily have physical threats working against you, but you still want to succeed. And it's still interesting to tell a story about someone succeeding. 
now comics are giant metaphor for things in general like you like whatever story you're writing it's some kind of metaphor for something be it like uh like the x-men's like oppression angle to it um with, with superman it's it's about championing good and you have this sort of like base idea of like um there, there's a relation to like the like the Jewish golem kind of concept with Siegel and Schuster, mm-hmm. uh, where it's it's about protecting the people. And so the thing to remember isn't that the viewpoint is necessarily Superman. Like a lot of older stories, we the audience are watching him do something, or we're looking through the eyes of like Jimmy Olsen or or just the people he's like out there helping in general. And so that is another part of it, which is like narrative tends to nowadays often focus on like what the hero of the story sees, but maybe that hero is actually a third party character. You know, like that's why you used to be able to have a book like Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, right. or why the, like the seventies and eighties Captain Marvel book uh, at Marvel was Rick Jones and he could transform or he could tra- uh, trade places with Marvel. Mm-hmm. So that you, you can have a story that's really interesting where the, the most powerful character in the room isn't the audience surrogate. Uh, and the fact that we, we wonder why you, you can do that is just indicative that like a very specific style of writing has taken over. Right. Very much so. Like, I, yeah, I think you're putting it exactly right. So, uh, speaking of the tweets that, uh, you've been putting out lately, or at least what I've been noticing is a lot of about the Superman, uh, uh, analogs uh, throughout rest of convo yeah, history. Yeah. Um, uh, so that started as me just kind of drumming up support for the men of steel podcast. Okay. Uh, when we were still like in talks about it, I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to like start tweeting about Superman stuff and see if it like, if people kind of respond. And uh, I get a lot, like I get a lot of people who message me privately about them. They don't <laughs> like it and they don't like retweet it, but they like all message me. And I'm like, Oh, that's thank you. I really appreciate that. Like, Coworkers, I'll get work emails being like, I really like that one from yesterday. I was like, that's awesome. Some sort of feedback in like the real, like not the real world, because I'm talking about Twitter, but like, (laughs) (laughs) uh, yeah, but so it started off where it's just like, you know what? There's a lot of characters who have been based on Superman. I'm just going to just start tweeting out like base, like what I remember about their stories. And so I I think I started with uh, the Shazam Captain Marvel. I did Supreme. I did Mr. Majestic. I've done like, you know, I started off with a bunch of the big ones. And I've just been going as long as I can. And my definition for it is kind of vague. Like I talked about Captain America because he is a downgraded power set wise version of Superman in a lot of ways. Like he's a perfect person. He's so he is super powered in a world with no other characters. He would be like this dominating physical force. Um, but you know, like his personality, his, his goals and like, and the story he tells, like the, the idea of like, it's not about, like it's not Dragon Ball Z. It's not a character trying to become more powerful for the sake of it. Like he he has attained physical perfection, and now what do what does he do with it? You know mm-hmm. how does he act as a protector? Uh, or I talk about villains who are like subverting that concept. So like Count Nefaria from Marvel is like yeah his powers are very Superman esque, and it's, how is he perverting that concept? Uh, and I've been going for four months now, uh, doing this about daily. Uh, I've sometimes like had gaps because of work or stuff like that. And then I've tried to make up for it, but yeah, like I, I'm not the, the most research I'm doing is image searches just to have pictures to go with the tweets. And yeah. I'll do like a thread of like six to 10 tweets about a respective character. And so obviously if they're really popular, I've got lots of images and if they're not, 
I have to go digging. Um, but yeah, I just, I just try to like daily be like, uh, here's like a little piece of my brand because I've got a lot of like, you know, completely pointless knowledge stored up in here, but I might as well just throw it out there and be like, this is why I find this character cool. Uh, and this is why I find that character and, and so on and so forth. So for characters like um, Supreme or Hyperion or, or, or uh, Mr. Majestic, do you, do you find when uh, comic, char- comic book characters or creators, I'm sorry, um, make these characters, they are doing it out of a place of love or more of a, a place of like showing how their disdain for the Superman archetype kind of thing or is it more just like i have an idea that i want to do for superman but can't do it for superman uh i mean it can all it can be all of the above okay um, the, uh hyperion's a good example of that like hyperion is the marvel superman equivalent from the 70s uh so the the original story for that was the editors for dc and marvel each wanted to do a crossover between the justice league and the avengers and were told that that wasn't going to happen so Privately, the Avengers and JLA each had annuals where they encountered a super team that was very obviously based on each other's books. So they had uh, the, uh, the Heroes of Angor is what they were called initially, but I think they were renamed the Assemblers later, uh, which was <laughs> aliens who um, were basically, it was Thor, Scarlet Witch, um, the Wasp slash Ant-Man, which was Blue Jay, and a Quicksilver analog. Uh, was like th- that group, and then over at Marvel, the uh, the Grandmaster created four villains who were all based on Justice League characters. So it was Superman, Green Lantern, Night or uh, Batman, and uh, and the Flash, and that became the Squadron Sinister. And then it was revealed later because they were like, "Oh, we like these characters. Why don't we have like another reality where they're heroes?" And so it's like, "Oh, they're actually based on these heroes from this other reality." And so you end up with a scenario where you have a Superman analog who has multiple realities that are like the canonical version. And so we end up with like different stories over the years where they're trying to do different things with that character. So at first it was just, hey, it'd be fun if Superman fought fought Thor. Like that was literally the only thing that was going on in that book. Like like that Hyperion was just there to be a bad guy. Um, Then you find out about the like the good version. And for a while, the stories that they would tell were usually these kind of like tongue in cheek things to show like uh, DC is so lame, Marvel is so cool. <laughs> so like it, it, you know, it's like oh, they, they've got a clubhouse with like secret handshakes and like bylaws and like it, it was like all this like level of bureaucracy to be like okay, DC is like for kids and Marvel's more, like more grown up. <laughs> but then you get Mark Grunewald, who was uh, an editor at Marvel and like had this like famously long run on Captain America, uh, but loved DC characters. And so he did a maxi series for Squadron Supreme where it got to be him being like, what are the implications of Superman? Like if he tries to save the world by taking it over, is he actually becoming the bad guy, even if he's still the good guy? And so it's like these themes that we see late, like later explored in like Red Sun or even All-Star Superman, like all these concepts of like, all right, well, can this person be there forever to protect us always? And the answer is no. And so ultimately that's happens throughout that. Uh, but then you get uh, later iterations of the character, like the the supreme power that J. Michael Straczyn- uh, Straczynski did, where it was, you know, the same sort of idea of like, uh, like Hyperion is Superman. How would the real world respond? And they, what they were doing was they were telling Superman stories that they couldn't tell with Superman. It didn't really matter what the character was called. It, it mattered that they were taking that archetype and doing a spin on it. And that was what was interesting about the book. And that character has had so many iterations that 
there's no one true Hyperion as a result. Yeah, the, when uh, I first saw that trailer for Brightburn, that's uh, JMS's superior uh, supreme powers or Hyperion from that is what I immediately thought of. So me too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I just remember reading those issues where you know the the the, the two quote unquote adopted parents are hiding in the closet from the kid and just trying to you know kind find some privacy so that the kid doesn't hear them. Um, for you, what what has been your favorite um, adaptation of the character of Superman to small screen or big screen so far? Uh, so I go back and forth on this one. Like immediately, my in my head, I was like, "Oh, I love the animated series, like the Tim, Bur- uh, the Bruce Tim, right, uh, Paul Dini uh, series from the '90s." I, like, I loved that that show. I thought the theme was great. I thought the the sort of relative power level worked because you could have both uh, fights that felt like you had danger in them but at the same time he was so powerful that you could also do like the stories where the the threat wasn't about him you know like he was probably going to survive no matter what so like that was a great balance for the character you could do the different types of narratives Mm -hmm. um but i also go to the radio show oh wow Uh, was yeah yeah when uh, like when i was in junior high i like they like did the like the like the cd re-release of it um and I, I picked up like the first volume and I loved it. And it, it's influenced me with Superman ever since. Like uh, this is where we first discovered Jimmy Olsen. It's where he kind of officially started flying. Like for, instead of just leaping giant right. leaps, right. Uh, you know, and because, because it was a radio show and you couldn't see a fight, like the stakes had to be built around, like, can he get to a thing in time? Can he find a bad guy? Uh, narratively, it's very similar to the Shadow radio shows because it's the same thing, which is that the Shadow being invisible and Superman being invulnerable, in either scenario, if he corners a bad guy who has a gun, they're going to lose. Mm-hmm. So the the change there is that you are able to like move around from set piece to set piece really quickly because he has the power of flight um, and that he can have physical solutions to problems that uh, the Shadow wouldn't have been able to. But still if he can't find the bad guy or if he can't be at the right place at the right time, he loses. So that's where the narrative is built around. Like it's always about keeping things from him, people moving in secret uh, thing, uh, him being caught unaware by, by a villain's plot. And I thought that was a really interesting aspect of the, of telling that story because by this point it was the nineties and like doomsday was a thing. And like the idea of like Superman having like a fight in a city was like a common idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to see this like much earlier time where where he he was unstoppable kryptonite didn't exist yet like there was nothing that could beat him except you could outwit him and you could you could outmove him like you could force him to go save one burning building and at the same time gun down the person who's your real target like those kind of stories are the the like a thing that is uniquely superman where there's never a concern about like his own personal safety. It's all him doing the most good. Hmm. That's it. That's it's pretty great. And, you know, listening to the radio show, I'd imagine there's a, a, a completely different theater of the mind experience than uh, reading the comic books, which uh, brings me to a, a good question is that when I read Superman comic books now, uh, in my head, the voice I hear is George Newbern, who does a lot of the animated vo- versions of uh, of Superman in like the the animated movies. 
what what do you hear? Do you hear uh, any one particular actor? Do you hear the, the the voice actor from the radio show or anything like that? Yeah, probably the radio show for like classic stuff. Okay. Uh, he was also the uh, uh, Cl- uh, Clayton Bud Collier was the voice actor for the radio show. He also did the voice for the Fleischer cartoons, ah. even though the vocal quality on those are really rough. Uh, like the animation is beautiful, but like you can't really hear them talk very well. Uh, and so it's it doesn't quite sound the same as if you're listening to an old radio show, but it is the same voice cast. Uh, so for anything where it's like, here's the classic like b- barrel chested, like save the day Superman. Uh-huh. That's the Superman I hear. Uh, it's definitely the Clark Kent I hear. OK. Um, and then it is. I'm blanking on his name right now. The, the animated series is where I kind of go to for the Tim next Daly? one, which is yes, Tim Daly. Thank you. No problem. Uh, uh, yeah, because like the, uh, you know, like Christopher Reeve, I love, but he he's not the voice of Superman for me. Same. In in the same way uh, that he is for people probably a few years older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I actually really like Henry Cavill, but I don't think I've seen him properly be superman yet i i'm in the same boat with you i i, I think he i think he's been doing a great job but yeah i haven't seen him been able to do the best job that he could do yet yeah yeah he hasn't been given the right material um how i mean how how uh how do you feel about him continuing on to be superman i, I mean i'd be happy if he was i know it's like kind of in question at the moment right like i think his performances were fine i i really like what he adopted for batman vs superman as his like clark kent voice mm-hmm. uh it, it's a little hokey but i think it works wonderfully to separate it from the true voice of of like a non like powered up superman like his, a relaxed superman uh like is not the, him doing his superman voice and then but he he has a clark kent voice that felt appropriately like kind of old school and like he's putting on that facade right and i enjoyed that a lot um yeah yeah like i said i've been i've liked a lot of what he did with the part in all of his appearances uh i just don't think it's ever fully come together where at the end of the day i was like that is a great just shot of superman right there like (laughs) like man of steel is not a terrible movie i think there's a lot really going for it um but the end of the movie they they're missing one good like good shot of everyone like looking up to superman and seeing him be superman right and like i get that the point of the movie is that people would fear superman and that's why he's got like that scene with the army at the end but like he doesn't have like a good moment of like just really being at least to someone it it doesn't matter who it doesn't have to be the whole of metropolis or wherever but like someone looking up and seeing hope when they see the character yeah, like uh, even they, though, they, we haven't really had a good moment of that. Yeah, like even though there would be the fear, the whole point of Superman is that he still inspires the hope. Like there should still be someone, something pushing through to make people think that it's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so where do where where do you fall on on Superman in his where he actually is? Because you know. A lot of people talk about how Batman, Batman's the real face and Bruce Wayne is the mask. So is Superman the real thing and Clark Kent's the mask the other way around or somewhere in between? I think it's got to be somewhere in between, mm-hmm. uh, which, which is what I was saying for like the, the Henry Cable performance. Right. Uh, because no matter how true Clark Kent is to his, his thoughts and dreams and desires, he still is suppressing that component of 
uh, like this, you know, awe-inspiring impressiveness that is Superman. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, Superman is not allowed to have the the desires and and wishes of an or of an ordinary man like that. He has to be a symbol in a way that. Like, like they talk about it in Batman movies, but like Batman doesn't have to be a symbol. Batman <laughs> could just be a crazy vigilante. Like if Superman's not a symbol, all of a sudden you have a rogue alien with heat vision. So like, <laughs> so there's that. Uh, I, like I think of Clark Kent as being the truest form of him, but I think that there is like public Clark Kent, like the face he puts on that he goes to work with. And then there's like at home with his friends and family, Clark Kent. Right. And I think that's the true person yeah. right there. Um, you know, it's the it's the way that I am very different with like my college friends than my coworkers. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just the way the world is. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I I have to agree with you there too. So let me let me ask you this: um, Shazam, the movie just came out not too long ago. Did you you had a chance to go see it? I yeah, I've seen it twice now. I I freaking loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am super biased. I I understand completely that like i am the easiest mark for people or to love this movie mm-hmm. uh but i did i, I so did I, I was grinning year to year both times i watched it oh i'm the same way i i enjoyed just about every minute of the movie and uh i i loved it too so uh good good to hear that we were both on the same page there like i thought that was such a great movie and uh the way that they portrayed you know uh shazam and and billy batson though Sometimes you feel like they're not exactly the same person. I get the idea of a kid who's had a very hard life, gets superpowers, would act a little bit more childish. Like, he would regress. Yeah, I I felt like that honestly could have been solved with a line of him just being, like, always excited because it feels so good to be super. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, uh, you know, it's fine. I I didn't really have a huge problem with it. Like, once, once I established, all right, this is him transformed, this is him not transformed, those are the power differences and like the, the personality differences. I was fine. Like I, I thought Zachary Levi did a, a great job with the part. I, you know, I don't want to spoil anything else. Like it was a yeah. lot of fun. <laughs> well, I mean that, that, that kind of uh, brings me as a big fan of uh, Captain Marvel Shazam. Uh, how did you feel about the, f- when you first heard about Zachary Levi being cast as, as uh, adult Billy Batson? Uh, I, I was pretty optimistic. We have lived in a time now where a lot of actors who are not, who I don't think of as being huge have bulked up a lot for parts. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't really worried about that part of it. I didn't really see Chuck. So I, I don't have like big ex- examples of him as like a comedic actor okay. prior to this. I, I knew him from appearing in Thor, the dark world where, you know, he was kind of forgettable, like so much so that people tend to forget that there was a recasting there. Right. That he uh, wasn't the first Fandral in, in, in the movie. Yeah. So, it, you know, like I was like, all right, people are saying he's funny. I, I look forward to checking that out. He looks a little skinny. I look forward to seeing him bulk up. Cool. Like, let's let's make this goddamn movie. <laughs> I think that overrode everything else. Well, I definitely can't wait to see where they go with it next and in the sequels and spinoffs if we get that Black Adam movie. So. Uh, that's going to be awesome. Yeah. Uh, like we talked about this on men of steel a lot where like the rock is so huge and like Zachary Levi is tall, (laughs) but he's not the rock big, you know, like like I look forward to seeing that where it's just like, Oh, we have this guy who can like rip buildings apart 
And now let's have him face someone who's like a bigger version of that. <laughs> I can't. I wonder if they're gonna if they're gonna cast someone else as like a depowered version of Black Adam, an Adam Teth, so to speak. Or do you think they would just keep the Rock there? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, because like in the like the original appearance of the character, mm-hmm. when he transformed back, he like rapidly aged and then and, and died, which could be ahoyed in that movie and still like have the resurrection angle come as sort of like your way of bringing them back right i don't know or they could do like a uh like a chris evans and have like a really yeah like uh sized down the rock uh-huh you know the pebble <laughs> uh, and just roll with that like I, I don't know i'd be happy with any of those versions frankly um probably for consistency they would do a different actor mm-hmm because of the way they have treated the transformations in this movie. Right. Uh, so like even characters who probably shouldn't have had a different actor get one in the series. So let's go with a different actor, I guess, to keep it consistent. Right. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think I know exactly who you're talking about. Uh, so let me talk. Let me ask you about your other, your last podcast, uh, Nerfy. Well, I'm terrible. The Scruffy Nerf Herder. That one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is a very blue uh, role-playing game. We, uh, it, you know, we're, we're a bunch of guys in our 30s playing D&D, but with Star Wars. So we, we like to have it be, uh, you know, jokey and, and fun. And we're, we're not really worried about it being uh serious fair like we we i try to have a really good story but a lot of it's a lot of fun like it's a lot of goofing around um and like throwing like weird ideas out there in the star wars universe uh like i had them go to like a trade atoll mm. uh which is a uh, repurposed uh nemoidian ship like the big donuts from phantom menace okay uh so the gravity's all weird because it's like a big loop mm-hmm. so that uh they have like a chase where like uh like imperials have like boarded and are looking for rebels who have like taken refuge so like they have like this whole section where they're like running on like different gravity planes so like they have to run to a wall and then like switch angles and like keep on running um but in that same episode i also had them like go into a brothel and like see what that kind of thing was like (laughs) and you know the term shaved wookie comes up quite a bit now in our game so uh so the the fun is being like what creative things can i do to in the Star Wars universe, and and my players just like kind of roll with it, and it, it's it's a lot of fun. Now, is uh, each episode a different uh, a different game, or is it just one continuous game that you're telling a, a narrative story for? Or yeah, sorry. So um, so yeah, I'm the dungeon master for it, and it is a, a so far it has been a continuous story. Okay, we have had some side quests with characters who've split off, and we did a round robin episode where on our network, everyone hosted each other's shows. Mm. So the, the most recent episode to come out at this point was that episode where it's a totally different, it's a a different DM, different players, but generally speaking, it's been one continuous story and uh, everything I have done has like fed into a story that we are getting to, which is a reference to a star Wars thing. So that's me having my fun and having uh, players kind of like, just help me tell it together. Now, is it just uh, an audio uh, podcast, or is there a video component too? Uh, we found that when we tried to do a video recording of that, it was very distracting. Like oh. we tried to do like a live feed, and it was too much for us. We we couldn't keep focused. <laughs> uh, ha- like having chats that could like kind of kind like uh, comment and uh, seeing things like that were like just delayed like enough, like fifteen seconds or whatever, uh, really threw us off. And so we we kind of find that. For, for us to all stay focused on the game, we kind of 
don't want to have those outside distractions. Mm, okay. Like we can do it for other shows. Like certain POV, they're like constantly looking up stuff about whatever they're they're discussing. Mm-hmm. But for that one specifically, it was like no, nah, no, no more, no more live feeds. <laughs> we need <laughs> we need to like stay focused, guys. Come on. <laughs> have you uh, have you always been a fan of the tabletop RPG games? I got into those later in life. Honestly, okay. um, my my friend brought who uh, so i had like shot a a pilot for uh, well a pilot that never got off the ground for a tv show that was um like an interesting thing it was like set around a nightclub and like one of the guys who we had cast in it um at our rap party was just like just shooting the shit with me and it turned out he was an iron man fan so we just started uh, like hanging out separately and then he was like hey i would really love to run a D game and so I was like, yeah, that, that sounds great. Sure, I've never played D&D. I'll, I'll give it a try. And then I got super addicted to it. <laughs> uh, and that this all happened from the time I was like 30 on. And so I'm, I'm 34 now, and I've, uh, I've been DMing pretty much ever since that point. Nice. Uh, so uh, there was a stretch where I was at, a, at uh, DMing four games and playing in two more. Wow. And uh, including the Nerf Herders game. But <laughs> uh, I've paired that back a bit, so that's <laughs> a bit better, but. Uh, yeah, I got really into it. Like I, I was an actor in in high school, and uh, I worked in theater, and and tried to try to work in TV, and that never really happened. But uh, like in at, like after college, and I uh, have always been like kind of around the arts. So like the the D style of things kind of really appealed to me. Like I I enjoyed JRPGs, I enjoyed Final Fantasy games, and all, all those. And then combine that with doing funny voices and having fun characters and. Uh, really getting into your backstory like my first D character i have a series of short stories about like throughout his life leading up to our campaign starting nice that i just wrote like I, and i would just like email him to the group being like here's here's the latest story about Ida. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah that's still sitting in a dropbox for for nothing like it's not gonna i'm not gonna do anything with it like it's a very personal story to these character or to this character and to appreciate that character you kind of had to be in our campaign right Makes complete sense. So, yeah, for your your scruffy nerf herders uh, game, have you found anything? I, I assume that you've been since it, you're you're kind of creating a a, uh, a Star Wars D and D game. Is there have you found any new appreciation for uh, a certain part of Star Wars uh, with coming up with this this game? So I mine heavily from the old expanded universe. Okay. The 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 legacy content, as they call it now. Uh, so it's been really fascinating to find out all of the crazy shit that's out there. Like, <laughs> uh, like if I'm looking for like, there's very few points where I should just make up a, a planet or like a race or something because someone probably did a sufficiently close <laughs> this is thing to what I'm looking for that I uh, like. Oh, that there there we go. Like we ended up on a world that I had researched as like a good trade port kind of world that was just Halo. Like it was like the ring from Halo, but as like a city world. And I was like, all right, I'm using it. It's perfect. And we couldn't help but talk about that video game because, but it, it they're independent creations. Like I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I really love just finding out how deep a rabbit hole that old world was. And cause it's insane. Like there's, I'm not saying it was a bad idea to throw it away, but like it was very deep. Like there's right. a lot out there. Uh, so that that's a big aspect of it. Um, yeah, like uh, yeah, I mean, like animals have like a lot of like story written out that I find really cool. Like I can 
uh, I can be like, oh, well, this, this type of creature is like native to this this pot, like section of the world. Uh, I can do cool stuff with that. Uh, in terms of like uh, broader lore stuff, I haven't really found anything too specific. I found the source books that they have published have been really cool. Uh, and as far as I can tell, there, there's a lot of details in those that have never been used in any other Star Wars things. Uh, like there's this whole group from a world that like uh, was like at some point was colonized and then regressed to like this feudal society that had these like uh, they're called the Killian Rangers and they're like uh, like this knightly order that's like Jedi but they're on a world where like the only technology there is held by like the nobles and it's like treated like magic uh, and, and it felt it was like such a cool setting I was like I well we're going to go there like because you have like I I need to talk about this one for a minute. Cause that's so cool that someone thought about it and it's just a story hook. Like it doesn't exist as like, there's no comic, there's no uh, spinoff novel. I've found nothing to support this material aside from like a paragraph on like a page and like a supplement book for the star Wars role-playing game. Wow. That's awesome. So yeah, that's cool. Like pe- people put a lot of work into it. Yeah. Yeah, it, uh, exactly. And in star Wars, it definitely has a plethora of, fans that have put you know work into their fan stories fan fiction so to speak of of star wars so it's plenty of stuff out there um if for someone that would i don't know say either a uh uh expert in star wars or an uh amateur if they were to just jump in and, and start listening to your 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 adventure there what what would you want them to take from it oh god um i guess i would want them Hmm. I like. I guess I'd want them to, to have some patience because we have a lot of episodes where we're kind of just goofing for a while, and like, it, like I'm the editor on it for the back half of the run, and like we'll have like two hour sessions that I cut down to forty five minutes, and it's still like fairly goofy, heavy. Um, hey, that's every this, RPG this, game that you get together with friends and play, so it makes complete sense. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like I and. When when I recorded with the Let's Rewatch crew, I think they weren't expecting that because I was just letting them kind of riff for a while, and and like Pat was like, "Come on, we need to we need to pick this up," and I was like, "Yeah, no, no, I know, I'm I'm literally cutting most of this, but like I, every other line has been really funny, so I'm going to keep those." <laughs> uh, yeah, I, like it's the goofier side of Star Wars, but I do try to have like fun, cool stories. Uh, so I guess coming into it, the current arc is fairly accessible like they're dealing with the empire and they're on the run so it kind of reads pretty well it's set between the uh star wars a new hope episode four the 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 star wars movie Mm -hmm. and empire strikes back uh so it's that sort of period where we don't actually have a lot of material like uh there have been books set in that era but uh we know it's a pretty big gap and so like this seems like a good time because I know where a lot of big things are going to be by a certain point, but I just need to make sure that I don't directly contradict that. Right. That's like you can't have Han Solo die, but <laughs> I mean, if you did, it'd be a big surprise. <laughs> I mean, John Bar point, it's a different reality. Like, but there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so podcasting, you know, how long have you been doing it? Uh, so this is year three of me kind of regularly contributing. Okay. Uh, I got into it in, uh, early. Nope. I take it back. It's been more than that. Sorry. That's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> that's a total lie. No, it was, uh, it was late 2015. So okay. it's actually been, this is actually like the fifth year of me 
working with it. Uh, um, yeah, so it, I got into it because I was doing a Kickstarter for a Star Trek fan film. Okay. That uh, I just wanted to spread the word and certain point of view was just launching at the time. And I was a friend with Ben Milton, who was one of the hosts on that. And he was like, hey, you should you should come and promote. And it was the first like episode that was recorded after they, they did sort of like a batch of like six or seven episodes to just launch with. So iTunes would treat them like a real podcast. Mm, okay. uh, and so like the first one after the show launched was the one that I came on for. And that's sort of where we hit it off. And it was like, cool, I'll, I'll come back and help with like movie reviews. And, you know, I, I like said, I'm a, a graphic designer. So I was like, I'll do artwork for all the episodes and, you know, got linked up that way. Uh, and it kind of became contagious. Like I, I liked podcasts before, like I've been listening since like 20, like 2008, 2009 to like CNET's podcast, like tech stuff that was out there. And, and when serial caused it to kind of explode, I was like, yeah, it's like, it's the, the barrier of entry is very low. Uh, like the time it takes to edit can be kind of arduous, like, mm-hmm. cause you have to listen to the whole thing and like make cuts as you go. And, and that can be painful, but the the actual things you need to set it up are are pretty simple. And so I, I was excited to like have that as an opportunity and have people I was working with that sort of, at the very least, provided uh, like moral support. Like, yeah, okay, cool, we'll just do this show, cool. And you know, um, that kind of got got it going. And and because I was with a network there was a lot of pressure to have episodes come out regularly. So that like helped me stick to a schedule. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things of like, kind of like taking all of my faults, which is that if I start a project, it's very easy for me to like, let it kind of just peter off. So like, if I have a schedule that I have to stick to, that's awesome. And because it's like I said, fairly easy to get started. I could always like do an episode. Right. You know, so that, that, yeah, like I said, it's, it's that it is an accessible medium. And one that I enjoy a lot listening to. So I was like, cool, I'll just contribute where I can. So what's been the biggest surprise for you in, in, in your podcasting journey? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> that's mean. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's not really that mean. Uh, biggest, uh, I think the biggest surprise for me was actually how cool people are with coming on each other's shows. Oh, uh, I started putting out calls for people I followed on Twitter and uh, had a shockingly good return rate. And it was, it was really that I just started off being like, screw it. Like you've liked one time that I made a, a comment on your tweet, but I really find you a cool person for whatever reason. I'll just ask if you want to do it because <laughs> I, like I said, I want it. like, this is me talking to people and having a good time discussing ideas. So you know, if I find someone interesting for whatever reason, like I want to talk to him and people have been receptive and that is so cool. Like, I I think we think of the modern era as being very, like the very me, 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 like everyone's like, uh, all about, you know, like the whole, like millennials are, are all like all into themselves and baby boomers are all into themselves and, and, and we're all just trying to become like influencers or whatever, but like people also are cool with just like cross promoting and like having chats and so it's been really refreshing to find out how, you know, like I, like, I don't have like a huge like subscriber base and I don't have like, you know, this isn't my job. This is just the thing I'm doing for fun mm-hmm. and trying to do as good a product as I can, but it's, you know, it's not my day job and that people 
will respond so well to it and and that you know it feels like there's a real community out there and that and by that community i don't mean just like uh, like just my network but i mean like just just nerds in general on the internet are like yeah fuck it i'll help yeah like, i'll come on like do you want to come on mine cool like i'm on this show <laughs> like, and i'm excited to be talking to you like we're we're having a great conversation and uh, and it's so refreshing because you know i think this is not a weird experience for people who are into this type of genre material like that uh you know i felt very alone in like grade school and high school like i had a lot of interests that weren't really shared and it's really fun to see that there are a lot of people who share it and that we're all really enthusiastic and that if you don't share each other's viewpoints identically that's fine because there's common ground to talk about and that uh, you know that uh, somewhere out there you can find a point where the two like you and one other person are having a, a great conversation and that people are open to getting to that point you know it's not just everyone yelling at each other about politics on twitter like yeah real connections are being made and that's <laughs> that's cool i find that really refreshing yeah, you know, and, and you're absolutely right. We we connected through Twitter as well, and here you are on, on uh, my podcast helping me out. So I, I greatly appreciate it. And, you know, we I could sit here and, and talk to you for like another hour because you're so fascinating and knowledgeable, so it's awesome. But we've already been talking for an hour, so I would I would love to let you go. So uh, uh, if you want to give out your social media so that people can find you, what would sure. You... Uh, big one is Twitter. So it's at Case Aiken, C-A-S-E-A-I-K-E-N. Um, that is where you will find me talking mostly about Superman analogs at this point. We're going to see how long I can go because <laughs> I'm not looking up anyone. So it's it's just sort of fun to, to see. It's like, shit, I remember that character. Bam, going to say talk about him today. Um, so there's that. And I also post about like the various projects that I'm working on there. Instagram is a little more complicated of a thing to spell, which is at Quetzalcoatl5, which is a reference to an Aztec sun deity and Brainiac 5 from the Legion of Superheroes. Uh, AIM screen names uh, were weird back in the day. <laughs> that one had lingered. Uh, but the, the biggest thing that they should do is they should go to certainpov.com. There we've got a link for our Discord server where we have all these conversations about the shows that we're working on. So if you checked out anything there and liked it, uh, go to the like follow the link to discord and you can actually directly engage with all of us there and we're we're all really active and really supportive so that's really the best place to talk to me awesome yeah, yeah. i'll have to make sure i connect on discord then yeah <laughs> also you can find me on twitter i am at mitchipedia gem gem is geek elite media for twitter for the rest of geek elite media is at geek elite media at Geek Elite Media on Instagram and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our website, geekleetmedia.com. But I want to say thank you once again, Case, for coming on our show. Mitch, thanks so much for having me on. Like This has been great. <laughs> no, it, it, it was great talking to you. So uh, this has been Hey Mitch on the Geek Elite Media Network saying, always remember to geek out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Hi, this is Steven from Geek Elite Media, and I want to tell you about Cuts by Candice, a hairstylist that will work with you to get just the right look. After growing my hair out for years and years, Candice was the only stylist I trusted to cut my luscious locks. Mention our promo code GEEKOUT when making your appointment through the end of April 2019, and you'll get 10% off your hair services. Follow Cuts by Candice on Facebook and Cuts by Candice 3 on Instagram, and start looking the best you, you can.